In today's episode of Board Game Impact, Josh and I talk about experiences that we're having and you can have in this digital world. Stay tuned. Welcome back for another episode of Board Game Impact. Of course, I am Bruce and I'm joined by... This is Josh. And today we're going to be talking about experiences that we're having in this weird like digital hybrid world thing that we got going on with COVID-19 still in full-fledged at the time of this recording. Um, So we hope that no matter where you are in the world, that you, your family, everybody is safe and uh, we can knock this thing out so we can get back to more things and more gaming around the table. But that being said, there's still plenty of cool opportunities that uh, we are having and that you can have. Um, and so we want to just talk about that today. And so, uh, Josh, why don't you kind of kick us off? Like, what's going on in your neck of the woods? What are things looking like for gaming for you? Sure. So I kind of have two things going on right now when it comes to, to gaming. Um, kind of taking it from two different approaches. So the first is um, still continuing to reconnect with uh, past game groups and doing some gaming online. Um, I know that you and I have gotten a chance to get some games in together. Um, But then also more recently have started to uh, isolate my gaming group a little bit. So rather than I, I think I've talked in the past about um, I have a pretty large game group here. The The game store that I normally go to uh, attracts about 40 people on average um, on a weekend. Awesome. And so obviously that's just not going to work right now. Um, so I've kind of isolated it down to a handful of people and uh, recently started a 10 by 10. We're calling it a 10 by 5, um, a kind of scaled down version of a 10 by 10. So for listeners who aren't aware, um, choosing 10 games uh, and trying to play those games five times throughout the course of a year. So uh, keeping it to just a handful of folks. Um, so we've got four people uh, and, and really kind of enjoying kind of digging into some depths of some games that we all really, really enjoy. That sounds cool. Um, Yeah, it's been great. Uh, A really, really good time. You know, uh, we each threw in the name of two games that we really wanted to kind of dig deep into and and really get some meat out of. Okay, so it's eight of ten. No, we, we, we do not have ten. So each person then threw in one more game for consideration. We're at 12 of 10. So now we're at 12. Uh. Out of those four extras, we played all of them once, and then independent of one another, we ranked those four games, one through uh-huh. four. Um, so our favorite got a score of one, our least favorite got a score of four. We revealed those scores, tallied them up, and golf scored it, so the lowest two scoring games got added into our uh, 10 by 5 and then we counted those plays towards our five playthroughs of each game. Um, so now we just kind of once a week we get together, we play two games at a time, um, kind of go through them that way. Uh, really, really enjoying going through. Um, you know, one of the things that I really love about this hobby is learning new games and um, seeing all these different things coming out. 
but it's really kind of nice to to really dive into some of these really heavy complex games mm-hmm. that maybe have a lot of different modules that we don't get to play with or um you know have new experiences that we don't really get to have because we're one and dunning them or you know we play them only every three to four months and forget half the rules. So it's kind of nice to replay the same thing and, and really kind of have that different level of experience with it. That's awesome. And obviously listeners, depending on what's going on in your local community does allow this or not allow this to happen. Um, but even if you're having to do it digitally, like you could still do that. Like let's pick 10 games or five or five by five, five games. So you're going to play five times or five by 10 for that matter that you're going to play online together, whatever. It's just the mentality of it. Um, so Josh, that sounds amazing from a lens that I normally of like, like I love playing new games. Don't get me wrong. But one of those things that I don't necessarily like is going to a game night or going to a convention and me being this omni gamer of like, I just want to play a thing and us as a collective group having analysis paralysis of what we're actually going to play. And we waste like the first 30 minutes more to then figure out what of the many, many games we're going to play and then have to set it all up. Has this helped y'all get rid of that AP? Like, are y'all setting the game up before you even get there? What's going on? Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's great because while most of us had played the games that we had chosen or the majority of them, uh, there were certainly some games that other people hadn't played off or off other people's list that I hadn't played. Um, so we set it in a rotation every five weeks. We play two different games. We know what we're going to play, um, well before the meetup happens. Usually whoever owns the game shows up early and sets it up, um, and has it ready and waiting, We'll share out uh, watch it played videos or rules explanation videos the week leading up to a game night. And that way everyone has a chance to learn the game before we get there. The teach is only five minutes versus 35 minutes. It's it's made for a lot of it's allowed us to take these very, very heavy games because I yeah, can you talk lightest, about some of the games? Yeah. Yeah. I think the lightest game on this list for us is Concordia. Which <laughs> isn't that's a, that's that awesome. Light, no, it's not. Isn't that light of a game? Um, you know, we've got things like Anachrony, which is one of my favorite games. It was one of my picks. And really, really heavy, you know, good long rules explanation in there. Um, you know, we got Yokohama was one of the picks, which I had not played before. We just played that last week, and I am in love with that <laughs> game. That game is phenomenal. Um, yeah, you know, it's been really nice to be able to to dive into some of these. My other pick, uh, I I put up Zulkin. Uh, Zulkin was one of the four games that we played through and chose two of. Zulkin did not get picked, but um, obviously a fantastic game. The other game that I put up was Great Western Trail, mm. which is has been one of my favorite games for a while. But again, one of those games that I just haven't gotten the full 
depth of experience with. So speaking of full depth of experience, you mentioned about how some of these games have modules and expansions. How does that weigh into coming to the table? Like, is that a group discussion? What's going on there? So it depends on what we... So what we decided was every game, we're going to play the base game the first time we play it. And then we will add subtract do different modules and different types of setups um, for different playthroughs one really great example of this we're playing a game called dominations um, a game that i had never really heard about before yeah not sure who i'm going to the geek game dominations Dominations road to civilization yes Huh. It's loaded. Dominations is a very, very interesting game that I was had not heard of before it was on the table. Yeah. And by Holy is, Grail Games, by the way. It is fantastic. I I highly, highly recommend anyone who enjoys a civilization building game to try this one out. It is You're speaking to me. The most unique civilization builder i think i've ever played um it is a tile placement game yeah listeners it's got all these like red green purple orange triangles with all sorts of stuff i'm looking through this it looks really cool so all of these different colors triangles represent your different types of um technologies you would normally associate with your um civilization builders and so you've got your you know your technology or your culture or your income all these types of things and as you're placing these tiles out on the board you're earning points in those you know resources essentially is what they come down to but you're earning science you're earning culture you're earning money Uh, that you can then use to upgrade your civilization. Really, really interesting game, but it is a game that came with four or five expansions. Wow. And each expansion dramatically changes the rules of that game. And so each time we're just going to choose one of those expansions and and play through with a new expansion and see how that experience um, changes the game or if it improves it or, you know, is something we dislike. So, yeah, it's a really, really great way to get to experience a lot of variety in these games that, you know, gives a lot of credit to the game designers who make these really complex and interesting expansions and modules that don't get played enough because we don't always get the chance to experience the depth of gameplay. Yeah, actually I was in, you're making me think of some stuff recently of, I've saw like different expansions for some games I love, but it's like, you know what? I haven't gotten that to game to the table. I love that game, but I haven't gotten that game to the table. So do I really want to add in or get the expansion? Like that's something I've now started questioning myself of like, am I going to get the chance to play it with this? Cause there's, especially with us reviewing some games, sometimes um, we tend to play a lot of games um, just the nature of it. And so sometimes it's hard to go back to some of these. So that's really, really cool. Um, so you are how far into this 10 by five? So we have now played all 10 games one time. Okay. So, so 40 more. We're to still go. pretty early on, but 
really looking forward to getting some new games into to play this. One thing I did want to jump back to here, yeah. Bruce, you mentioned, though, with this 10 by 5, the reduction in setup time and choosing games and those types of things. Way back in February, before all of COVID happened, my game group decided one of the things that we were going to do to cut down on that problem was actually, and, and it's worked wonderfully we created a whiteboard and everyone put 10 games they wanted to play this year onto a whiteboard and then we put all of those games into a randomizer and (laughs) every week it would spit out two games and those two games were going to be the games that were played that week and you had your choice between those two games and that made game night goes so much faster that's i've never heard of that tactic that's amazing it it worked really really well if you decided a new game came out and you really wanted to play that you just removed something off of your whiteboard and replaced it and yeah it, it works wonders i i really recommend if you have a smaller group especially trying some of those techniques of of ways to just decide games before you're going to get to game night so you can have them set up you can have the party or the gaming group watch the rules explanation in advance it it makes for that game experience just significantly better because you're getting straight into the gaming you're not sitting around and debating what you want to play for the better part of the night yeah because and i appreciate you sharing that because like let's face it we love the games but really games are a conduit for the experiences with other people so eliminating the time and the fluff around it to help like streamline that that's really cool so i'm gonna try some of that out josh um with our local meetup when we can it's definitely not the case here in texas where we are having things with people um we have we have been lucky here in Colorado. I will own that uh, a thousandfold. So yeah, um, and I again, we totally understand this is not for everyone. But yeah, trying these ideas of um, even if it's a, a like Bruce was talking about, if it's online with friends yeah. or, or however you're getting your gaming in. Yeah. So I'm gonna and, try that out. So thanks, Josh. And on that note, yeah. Bruce. Uh, in the realm of virtual gaming, you've been uh, having some fun experiences. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I almost on, hit the nail on the head there, Josh. So um, over the last couple months, like we've heard a lot of sad news. Like let's just call it of like this is canceled, and like let's call it, let's face call it what it is. Like BGG Spring, like for me, that's like going to summer camp. Like I love it. Um, and I work it like as a counselor. So it's like, I love it. Um, it's a really just great time. Like we got Gen Con and all these things have moved online and I see a lot of people get really sad, but at the same time we haven't experienced these things before. So are we making sometimes a premonition about something we haven't even tried yet? So BGG spring kind of was the first thing. Um, so that was supposed to take place at the end of May that was canceled. Um, and they moved that to something called virtual gaming con, which took place last month. And then 
at the time of this recording. So that's happened. This past weekend was Comic-Con, um, which had a gaming side of things. Um, this weekend coming up is Gen Con. Um, and then we've got more conventions coming up. So we've got Spiel, which is the one in um, Essen, Germany. Like they're having that in all the different languages. So what this looked like was a couple of things. So um, and I actually volunteered for um, Virtual Gaming Con, which gave me a ticket to go. A lot of these things are free or like 10 bucks. That was the cost, which honestly, for a convention and playing games, like that's really like nothing. Um, that's that's less than I would often spend like going to a pub and playing games there for a weekly meetup, right? Now, I know that's just my case, but like that that's the experience I was having. So... The interesting thing was they had a couple things going on. One, they had a Twitch channel that they were doing live streaming on for Board Game Geek. Now, I never really watched Twitch. Um, that wasn't a thing for me. Like I'd watch a lot of YouTube and stuff. But with the COVID, um, I have started watching a lot more Twitch which was cool. So I've been like, they had all sorts of streams from publishers. Here's all the new games. Here's how you play them. Here's some cool things for the industry. Um, and getting to hear from people I wouldn't normally get to hear from these designers behind the scenes. Then they also created a, um, they, there was a website called tabletop.events that I used, they used to schedule all like you could, I could put in, I was going to run a role-playing game for a couple hours, right? Or um, I wanted to play a game on Tabletopia or on Tabletop Simulator or on Board Game Arena, any of these cool places, and connect with people to play with them. Um, so they, uh, Board Game Geek actually, after the virtual gaming con, they liked it so much, they bought that website. So now that Board Game Geek owns tabletop.events to help facilitate in-person and virtual conventions, which is cool. But the Honestly, in my opinion, the best part was they had a Discord server for everybody who was participating. And if you haven't been on Discord, I highly recommend it because they have text channels and voice channels. And so every exhibitor had their own text channel. And I was messaging with like Stephen Bonacore um, and like talking at like different times. Like I didn't have to go to a booth in person to do that. I was able to just hop in, ask some questions about upcoming games and hear directly from them. Um, but also there, you could change your status and it would change your color um, to looking for a game. Um, and people would reach out to you and be like, Hey, what kind of game do you want to play? Let's just pick something up. So it was 1500 people at the, there was one hour I was on there. I, I happened to look and I saw at least 1500 people actively on there doing that um like and participating so it was cool josh like it was really really cool um yeah what are your thoughts on that i just threw a lot at you no that's uh a very very cool experience that i kind of regret not taking up uh i I think that's a really really neat way to do that you talked about having access to online gaming and some of those types of things. So did you get, I I guess, how did you get access to those games? Were they using tabletopia tabletop simulator? Sure. Was it facilitated at all by the convention or was it kind of on your own? Yes and no. So again, they had that tabletop.events website they were using. So they had scheduled, they had a thing called the main stage. Um, and so there was like a roll and write games that the main stage would sometimes do or like solo or print and play things. 
where you could just print it out or interact on Tabletop Simulator or any of these different platforms live with them. Um, they also had, if you didn't have those experiences, publishers had booth spaces and they would give like viewer access to come into those platforms and see their games and learn how to play them. Um, so that was cool. But for BGG's virtual gaming convention, they Tabletopia was a um, top tier sponsor and they gave everyone premium access to the site for the entire weekend. So you could play anything, even they're like restricted for premium members only games. Um, so yeah, it was anything, Josh, like it was, that's, it was cool. That's a really nice, I mean, we've talked a little bit about those get different platforms in past episodes. And so listeners, if you haven't heard those, I encourage you to go check those out, but that's a pretty extensive library for, for tabletopia for that weekend to have access to. So that's a really, really neat idea. It will be interesting to see if, if any of this survives past all of COVID with the online conventions, the, streaming your you know the fact that you have people like gen con or uh it, the fact that you have comic-con streaming these discussions and conversations people demoing their games i think that's probably the coolest thing from all of this because anyone who's gone to a convention knows the pain of waiting for a game demo and standing in line for 30 minutes deciding that it's not worth it, leaving, trying to come back and walking by and never finding the table open to learn. So just being able to live stream that and show a much larger group those how those games work, I think that's a really, really cool way of kind of addressing this world we're living in right now. Yeah, and so one, I think there's a couple of things that are going to, live past it um so first of all i think of like gen con and how that has all these major releases like one of the things i've always wanted to go to because i haven't been able to go to gen con yet is like the fantasy flight in flight report right like i've never been able to go to that where they're talking about all this cool stuff i just get to see like the posts on reddit of what's coming out and like don't get me wrong i'm so excited about those things but it'd be cool to hear it live like I am able to attend that later this week when we're recording this um, and sit in on that session that I wouldn't normally get to. Um, but the other thing about conventions, like it's really hard to schedule things sometimes, right? Because it's so freeform. But what was cool is if I missed something, I was able to go into the website they had, the tabletop.events, and see all the other times that that publisher is going to be demoing that game so it's not like i had to wait to catch it at the right time and like am i gonna catch it at the right time i was able to just come in and have the experience because i knew it was going to be happening um so it was cool um so yeah i would highly recommend checking out these virtual conventions um board game geek has already said that this is what it's going to look like for bgg con in the fall so that's going to be completely virtual as well but they also said this went over so well like why get rid of it if they already have the infrastructure to put it out there? Um, so we might be seeing this even while we go back to or get to have some more in-person things that we'll still have some of this digital engagement because not everyone could go to these things in the past anyway. Um, and I, there's been this counterculture to Gen Con. I, didn't know, I don't know if you know this. There's been a thing called Gen Cant for hmm. about like five to 10 years of, um, and la- of, the, of these like 
people like, oh, I can't go to Gen Con, so I'm going to do Gen Can't in my local com- community. Like, it has its own, like, mascot and stuff. So last year, Gen Con tried to do pop-up Gen Con and have, like, store splashes where, like, local game stores could get, like, a kit to, of games to play during that time period. Um, they were trying to leverage the whole Gen Can't thing. I don't think that went over the greatest. Um, but, like, this is going well. Um, so it's just kind of cool. Yeah, I, you know, I think we talked in the past about the, the challenges I think that can come with, with online gaming and obviously, you know, there's a lot to be said for, for person to person interaction and all those types of things, but it is really comforting and, and heartwarming to know that, that this is still an industry that people are invested in and will continue to thrive. Uh, you know, I, we don't have it on here to talk about, but I don't know if you saw kind of some of the statistics that have come out over the past couple quarters with Kickstarter. Oh yeah. And the fact that 2020 is on track for higher return on Kickstarter for board games than any year in the past. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, I know that that can be difficult to hear from a lot of folks who may be struggling and maybe among those who can't afford those types of things right now. But it is heartwarming to know that this is not a an industry that seems to be going anywhere and that people are innovating around, you know, how these games are coming out. I know early on in this pandemic, there were quite a few Kickstarters that actually released tabletop simulator and tabletopia versions of their games before the Kickstarter launched so that people could play them Mm -hmm. and and get to experience them. So it's kind of neat to see how all of this is changing and how people are adapting. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, And Josh, I believe the number is very close to about 40% increase um, for the game's arena of Kickstarter. And that's, I believe in the months of April and May alone. Um, and that's when you remove, um, those higher numbers or even when you remove Frosthaven, um, from the list. Um, so you remove the giant outlier because you might've been like, Oh yeah, well Frosthaven happened. I'm like, yes. And I know I'm a backer of that personally, (laughs) but, and I contributed to that. I, I, I fed that beast. Um, but at this, when you remove that, it's this ridiculous number. And then that is cool, though. That also means that more games are going to be out there. So even if you can't, um, doesn't mean those around you have always been in that same situation. So you might still have access. Um, and so that's also hopefully uplifting. Like, let's get games out to more of the community. Um, so, yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. Josh, one thing I didn't have on here to talk about, um, but I had a conversation the other night while playing games uh, last week, actually. And we were talking about the different platforms, right? And we've been playing a lot of games on Board Game Arena, um, actually, um, especially Euro games, where it takes care of all like the all the little things for you. Um, and I was curious. This is something we brought up in conversation when I was playing that, and you weren't there, so I'm going to ask you the same question. What are your thoughts if you are a um, a game designer or trying to get a game out there would, would you want all of the rules kind of handled for you as a, for the new players or would you, or do you think more of the free form environment for let them discover? That's a really interesting question. Yeah. 
I think because like Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator, for the most part, some some of Tabletop Simulator has scripts, but a lot of it you're managing yourself. I think that I, I think that answer changes for me okay. in the pandemic. Okay. Um, if it is a game that. has been out for a while people have had access to for a while most people have probably played or had a chance to play i kind of like not having things scripted okay i don't know why but i like to know as a player i like to know that i'm doing all of i i'm walking myself through my turn right scythe is a really good example of this and i have been someone who has praised the online adaptation of scythe yeah for its scripting because i am one of those people who i often forget to gain money (laughs) in scythe which is one for one victory points which is the whole point of the game (laughs) But I take my bottom action and I feel really good about the fact that I just upgraded this thing and I'm one step closer to ending the game. But I forgot to take my three money, which was the whole point of me doing the upgrade. It's wonderful that Scythe lets me do that and does that for me. So I think in a lot of respects, it's really, really helpful. But I also kind of like the... There's this little cutthroat part of me that like, oh, if you forgot it, well, that's on it's you. It's on you, buddy. <laughs> I also really like – I think it depends on the UI sure. of, of how you design it because if the UI is very fiddly and I have to like click and drag and do all of these types of things to gain my money – I could see that becoming a problem because then you get frustrated at the UI. But if it's very simple interaction with the game, yeah. It's kind of nice to know like that I'm walking myself step by step through my turn. Okay, so the first thing I do is I gain my income. So I gain 5 money and then I go here and I spend 3 money and doing all of that myself feels closer to the real experience yes. and therefore has some nostalgia and enjoyment. But it's also nice to just be like, this is what I want to do, and the game does it for me. I agree. Um, And I think you said a lot of really cool things, and you brought up some perspectives that I didn't even consider. Um, I didn't even consider the fact of, like, helping learn the game by having to go through the steps, and, like, you know what I mean? And... With that, though, I feel, and this you're explaining a phenomenon I've been feeling, and that is when I've played those games and, like, really learned them. So I'm thinking of when you and I played On Mars, mm-hmm. right? That was a lot to manage. But at the end of it, I'm like, I, I didn't win, but I truly know this game, and I feel, more, I feel accomplished from what I did. Where when I've learned get new games on some other platforms where I haven't had to focus on that, I've gotten to learn more strategy. But I don't, I won't say that I have a fundamental understanding of how to operate the game of like 
of managing the things, the administration of it. Um, but I'm able to focus in on the strategy. So it also kind of depends on what you're looking to do. I think this is an excellent, you brought up on Mars and I think that's an excellent descriptor of how I'm feeling about this because now on Mars is an incredibly complex game and we played that over a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. So probably not anymore, but shortly after playing that, if I were able to sit down at a table with a hard copy of on Mars, I would know how to play that game. Yeah. I'd feel pretty confident. I would feel good. And I'm really upset with myself that I haven't done that because man, that game's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Needs more playthroughs than just the one. Yeah. But once I finished the online version, I felt that I could go and play that game again. We've played uh, Steam uh-huh. a number of times together online. Uh-huh. I don't know that if I went and sat down at the table that I would immediately know how to play Steam. That's fair. Because there are just some pieces that the game manages for you that I'm sure I would completely forget to do and would not be, you know, I'd be forgetting to take my income. Yeah. Or I'd be forgetting to spend money even, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think maybe I said it wrong or backwards before. If it's a game that I've played a lot and I know all of the rules, I kind of want it to be scripted because it eliminates that fiddliness. Um, but if it's a game that I've not played before, I kind of want to learn all of the mechanics behind the game and why I can or cannot make the decision that I'm trying to make. That's, that's, I, I respect that. And I'm going to, Pull us together full circle on this. And then I think just due to time, Josh, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, but going back to you talking about your 10 by five, me talking about like the virtual gaming experiences we're getting to have. Right. Um, and now this, this was really just off the cuff, honestly, listeners. Um, I, I think that it all comes down to thinking about your outcomes um, and trying to figure out what outcomes are you truly wanting to get at. Um, so if it's, if it's about, I want to make sure to get these games played and like, and focus on maximizing my time with people, then doing a 10 by five, having a rotation, doing the whiteboard, things like that. Great. Um, do those practices. If you are wanting to connect with people and publishers and it's more about the social components than jump in on some of these streams, right? Um, whether it be on Twitch, whether it be on one of the free virtual gaming aspects, um, or you want to learn something, jump in and try it out on tabletop tabletop simulator, but maybe in a demo with a publisher at some of these experiences. Um, or if you know it really well and you want to get more competitive, then strip away the stuff, other stuff. So you can focus in on strategy. Um, like on board game arena, or, um, I know what Josh, one of the things that you've been playing a lot of is like magic, the gathering arena. Um, something tells me that really helps focus in on strategy, doesn't it? Yeah. You Matt, I, I, we were talking before the show about 
how much I love the way Magic the Gathering Arena has kind of managed magic for me. I When new cards come out and new things come out, it, it really has kind of stripped away a lot of the confusion around kind of how different cards interact in the meta and some of those types of things. I don't know. It, it makes for my ability to just focus on building the deck that is going to win versus man building a deck that I can manage. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that, that sentiment. Huh? And I think this has just been a cool topic to talk about of like different experiences we can have. Um, Josh, you have any kind of closing comments on like focusing in on outcomes and experiences in all these different times or for even when hopefully COVID is over? You know, I think you hit the nail on the head in a lot of respects and I'm going to defer to a lot of what you said. I especially, it's about the experience that you want to have at the end of the day, right? And for me and my gaming group, the experience that we want to have is we want to get our hands on the game, on the game, playing it, having that experience, and then talking about that experience afterwards. There are groups that I could definitely see just really enjoying spending time with one another and debating over a game for three hours is okay because they're just getting to spend some time together. And if that's you, that's great. That's the experience you want to have. I think there's, uh, it's just about kind of, like you said, finding what it is that you're looking for in your gaming experience and finding ways to facilitate that no matter what the circumstances you're living through are. Yeah. And I think that, in itself, Josh, is just great. Um, and I, I think this has been a really salient topic for as we're um, pretty deep into this. But I think it goes back to some of the hallmarks we've talked about in the past of have you had a DTR to find the relationship with your game group? <laughs> um, right. Of like, are we all looking for the same thing on this? Like, I just want to make sure. Or if you felt like this is going great and then you felt a change that were able to put your thumb on what changed, right? Um, or how are you able to f- influence towards what you're looking for? And I know there's a lot of people out there in the world struggling. Um, and so if that is you, we hope things get better fast. Um, but part of the, what we can do is help provide guidance on understanding self to the level of these are the things that I know are going to fill my bucket. Um, so I think it's more important than ever for people to look into and for all of us to look into how do we continue to know our bucket um, and find ways to fill it as much as we possibly can. Um, So that way we can be inspired and we can do all sorts of great things. Um, So yeah, I think gaming does a lot for us as a people and I'm very thankful for it to be in my life. Um, And because it's connected you and I, Josh, even more, even though we were working at the same place, but we never really hung out besides that. And then I was like, Hey, Josh, Um, and it's evolved into so much more. And so you never know, um, so I just, we just encourage you to try. Um, so that's going to be a wrap on this week's episode. Um, so if you like this, please tell a friend about it. So that way they can find it on all of the podcasting platforms. Um, but we look forward to talking to you again in two weeks and hope everything's going great. But until then go out and make a positive impact on the world. Thanks. Thanks.